0: Hello and welcome to the 81st episode of The Saucers Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Beyond Soul by Praxia Entertainment. Zachary and Eric, who are you and what do you do?
1: I'm uh, Zachary, and I'm the uh, producer on Beyond Soul.
2: And uh, I'm Eric Changya, and I'm the uh, creative director on Beyond Soul. Thank you very much for joining
0: us on the show today. It's been, uh, really an honour to have you both. It's uh, Beyond Soul is a fantastic game. We'll get onto a detail later on in the show, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's all took me. It blindsided me because I, I didn't know. Sorry, didn't know about it until uh, uh, I was told. People, many of my friends kept on prodding me, going, you need to play this game, Chris, you need you. Because I, 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 I always cite my favourite game of all time is Elite. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, I remember as a, as a young teenager playing Elite for hours and hours upon end. I actually did manage to get to Elite as well, so uh, that's how long I played that sucker. So to, be, to, to play a game of similar ilk, but also brings in my other favourite genre, which is 4X, uh, was uh, yeah, Marriage Made in Heaven. However, <laughs> almost peeking into my brain there. It's kind of weird. But anyway, um, how did you two start making flashy, lighty video games?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, just uh, career-wise, you mean?
0: Yes. You you—you know, you can go back as far as you like.
2: You can go back. To okay. Yeah, well, we, uh, we're cousins, actually, so we grew, grew up together, and uh, okay. we've just always loved making our own games. We, we initially started with board games. You know, we'd play Ox and Allies and... Stock ticker and we, we, you know, make modifications to those games and we'd make our own board games. And then uh, eventually went to school, did some studying for programming and, and, uh, and then started making our own video games. And, uh, and then we got, um, I initially got a, an internship at, uh, Bioware. So I, and I worked okay. there for, um, for six or seven years. And then, uh, Zach also ended up at Bioware, um, for about that amount of time. Yeah, actually, uh, while well, Eric was an intern
1: there, he sent me an email, um, and I was in the military at the time, and uh, he says, hey, there's a job opening here for uh, testing, uh, if you want to apply to that, and I thought to myself, testing? That's a real thing? Like, you can test video games for a living? They <laughs> <laughs> call it QA, that a generic... <laughs> yeah, they, they do, but I didn't know yeah. that at the time, and right. uh, so, so I applied, and I, and I was hired to work on uh, what was an undisclosed project at the time that later became Dragon Age um, Origins, and uh, so I worked. I worked on Dragon Age Origins. I started as a QA term tester, so on contract. Um, and then uh, seven years later, by the time I left Bioware, I was a QA manager um, at the head of the QA for the Mass Effect franchise for the, the new Mass Effect game that's recently been announced, Andromeda.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: Uh, and uh, at that point, you know, um, Eric and I decided that we wanted to to leave and and do our own thing. So we quit. Um, in 2014 and founded Praxis Entertainment and made Beyond Soul.
0: Brilliant. I mean, you did fast forward that. I have a lot of other guests that will go on and it's, I just want to peek, pick out some details of it. Just so you know where you come from and where you are now. It says, the, the earlier games that you discovered and started making on computers, I mean, what were they on? Was it on a Commodore 64? Is it on a PC? What, what were you doing then? I just want to well, see, uh, so, see your story I mean, history there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the playing of games, um, I think, yeah. The first game I played was on a Commodore 64, and I don't even remember the name of it. You know, really, it was my dad's there were computer. Millions I just kind of, of snuck on it and, and, and messed around on it for a little bit. Um, and then it was an Apple IIe, and yes, then an Apple yeah. E the, the big ones were like Organ Trail and uh, and Number Munchers for me.
0: Okay. Not Bald's Tale? No. No, yeah. <laughs> number
1: Munchers, <laughs> I think it was called. Number Munchers. Number Munchers? No.
0: <laughs> no. I'm not saying it was called Bald's Tale. I would have thought you played it, but...
1: Okay. No, no, I'm no, not. No. Um, I was quite young at the time when oh, the, when the Apple TV came out. and out. Uh, and so you know it was kind of limited in the kinds of gaming experiences I was gonna be able to comprehend. Okay. Um, and uh, then I moved up to uh, the Apple series and we spent a lot of time with apples. Uh, my dad was a or my dad's a, a teacher and I was the oh vice on. principal at a school. And uh, so this is when the what were they IMAX or Power Max? Power uh, I think we started with IMAX. Yeah. The so first we, generation
2: IMAX was Power yeah,
0: bubble things because yeah. it, just, yeah. it yeah. saved Apple, didn't it? They just yeah. like, it did. I've read stories. I <laughs> I've read it. It's just a did. thing. But it's just like Apples was Apple was going south and really bad. They were imploding. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read the Steve Jobs uh, biography
2: and Yeah, that was about a year after Steve Jobs came on, I think.
0: It is and he went, What are you doing? Like,
2: and yeah, he came back <laughs> And
0: they went, No, not the fact he came back. I mean there's reasons why we all know that. But I just find it fascinating. They went, Well let's just make like you know, a bubble shaped computer,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and with a handle on it so you can yeah, carry well, it with a pointless <laughs> handle on it, which no one needs. Well, actually, we, we use the handle quite a bit because uh, what happened with us is you know my so my dad had a lab of these things at his school, right. I mean, co- uh, these things at his school. So um, in the summers when school was out, you know we'd be we'd bring some of these home, so we'd set up an AppleTalk network with these things of like six computers in my basement, in my parents' basement. And we would spend the entire summer playing games on that. And we got to the point where, you know, the old maps were getting so tired that we, we started to break into third-party tools and map editors and physics editors, and we started essentially making our own mods without really realizing what we were doing. <laughs> yes! Yeah, yeah. We played
2: where uh, Starcraft. Starcraft, I remember, was a huge one, and then Marathon, uh, Bungie's uh, original shooter series, yeah. and uh, they were great multiplayer games at the time.
1: Also Bungie's uh, Myth, we played a lot of Myth. Yeah. Uh, and you played so that we really
0: too. I, I love the fact that you know that too, because when I say that game, people go, "Do you mean Myth? No, 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 Myth. Yeah,
2: just, yeah I'm myth. surprised a lot of people don't know about Myth. Yeah. Oh. It's just a fantastic RTS. Well,
1: what one of the greatest like tactical strategy games of all time. Even no. even today, there's games that you know just they just don't measure up to that. It's
0: exquisite. Thank you. You're one of the few people who have, like have actually <laughs> said, "Yeah, Myth." Like, what do you mean? It's a bungee game. No, no, no. They, they did Halo. No, they yeah. did Marathon before Halo. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Way before they, Halo. Way
0: before yeah. Halo. It's one of my favorite favorite series of games. They did three, didn't they? Yeah. Um,
1: so
2: uh, I think someone else they did one and two, and, they did one and two, Someone else did number three. three.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not, it wasn't so good. And uh, yeah, it's funny that they like to sneak a lot of their old games into their new games. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of like uh, Marathon uh, Easter eggs in the Halo series. Yes. and uh, in Destiny, actually, I heard the Nathan Fillion call out "Pathways into Darkness." <laughs>
2: oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. that was one of the, rich, the first games we played as yep. well. Path- that was, that was Path-
1: actually, I think, their second game. Yeah, it the first one I, was some kind of uh, uh, Minotaur um, uh, labyrinth of some kind. But the Pathways into Darkness was, I was, I think, their first like production game. Yeah, it's, fantastic. Yeah. it's interesting you say fun.
0: your father was, was a teacher because if he's in the UK. He would have been surrounded by BBCs, uh, which is... A, the, the BBC made a computer. I don't know if you know this. He probably did. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. and there the were, like, all these... Yes, the, generally, the BBC made a computer. And that's, <laughs> and that's where, the, where Elite was made for. Um, that's oh, where, okay. uh, So my first encounter with one of those was a, was a, a friend's... Because they're very, very, very expensive. You couldn't buy them. like Like Apple's, they were really expensive. Because the idea was that the BBC wanted these computers for schools, not really for the home... So they had to be really, really robust and take a lot of knocks. Uh, yeah. For that reason, they're extremely expensive. And we're talking, you know, two, three thousand pounds worth uh, of today's money uh, back oh, in wow. the 80s. So it was, it was ridiculous. So anyone who owned one either probably borrowed one or worked for the education establishment or worked for a uh, don't. No. So, yeah, but somehow they made game for a leap for it, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and like, why are you making it for the BBC? Eventually come out on any other system known to man, even the NES. Um, how they did that? Menus, lots of menus. You can think yeah. of D-pad and two buttons, or four buttons technically. How do you control, <laughs> how do you control all of that just with that <laughs> little controller? It's a if you can find it, just check it out. It is a is is a ingenious way they managed to turn all that information, that interface, into a little control pad.
2: <laughs> wow. but, That's interesting um, to hear about all these old, uh, you know, mostly PC games because you know like Zach was saying when I grew up it was mostly on the Mac platform so we played a lot of old Mac games like uh, Escape Velocity which was a big inspiration for Beyond Soul it was uh, was an old uh, it was was sort of like your elite game but uh, 2D space exploration game and uh, that was definitely one of our favorites yeah by Ambrosia yeah.
0: yeah and you sort of go back further you see the board games you said you played you made a lot of board games you must be intrigued or maybe or maybe you're not but how board games have come now—it's ridiculous. Now it just exploded. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's,
2: yeah, it's just... yeah, it's it's a huge market. Every time I, I go to a game show, we were at the Edmonton Expo yeah. a few weeks ago, and um, and there was just so many board game, you know, kiosks and yeah. just tons of new board games every year, and they all look amazing, and there's <laughs> very intricate pieces, and <laughs> <There's> <laughs> no some, time some... to play all the, all of them, but uh, no, there's some, really good...
0: there's some crossover between video games and board games as well. The XCom board game having an mm-hmm. iPad like app yeah. that you can use in conjunction with it. There's a game called Alchemist which you can use with an app as well and you need it to find out where all the ingredients happen before they explode in your face. Uh, it's, it's terrific but uh, yeah. is, yeah, interesting place we've gone. So yeah. You're here. You're, you're, you've been brought up to date now. Fast forwarding, and now you're, you've, you've founded Praxis Entertainment and you've made this amazing game, Beyond Sol. So it's the first game of your of your out your outlet. Your, your well, yeah, it's Praxis yeah. first title. Ooh, and um, I think you made some hints about this. And this question is very open ended, and I, I, it sounds a bit trite, but I'm trying to get to a point with this, but. What do you believe is the thing that influences you most as, as video game creators?
1: Just in general as video game creators. Mm. Um, it
0: I would like, say, yeah, it's,
1: it's yeah, I would say um, when I think about you know when I think about games, um, I think about making a game, I, I look at the world, you know, and, and I draw a lot of inspiration from and models from what I see in the world. Um, in Beyond Soul for example. Um Part of, say, the conflict between cities is kind of based on this model of, of old Greek city-states, you know, um, and how they would, you know, uh, basically be independent states as cities, and then they'd have conflict over over land or resources, uh, you know, they'd go to war and they'd, and they'd fight their battles or whatnot. Um, so that, that part of the world and part of history kind of served as a good model for, you know, that piece of the game.
2: Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I mean the world is a big thing. I'm a I'm a, I'm a big history buff, so I, I love reading history and uh you know that's that's always a huge inspiration. Uh reading about great great generals or, you know, socio economic policies of ancient Rome, you know. As a strategy game um lover, you know, the the empire the history of empires, the the history of economics is, is always fascinating. It's a great inspiration. But for me, also, it's just uh, just playing other games. Games is <laughs> is a huge inspiration. Movies as well, any medium really. You you know, you'll see a, an amazing movie, and and just even one scene will will kind of, you know, inspire you. You know, we we can make an entire game out of this one you know scene that's got this cool mechanic, whether it's an anti gravity scene in some sci fi movie or or whatnot. But um, just a lot of entertainment media is just my inspiration.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's uh, I've had people respond by saying, oh, the universe? <laughs> what we see? Uh, one of the more trite ones, and I've had a great conversation about this it, with the developers of Mushroom 11, they said, um, shower? <laughs> so, so they're, they're, yeah, that's true. And uh, we had a long-term chat about how somehow we get the best ideas. A moment of clarity whilst washing your hair. Um, yeah. It's quite extraordinary. Um, some, one of them has suggested that you should have it installed in a developer studio. Just in case <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you get writer's block. Oh, go to the shower. Okay. Just stand yes. in the shower. Yeah, and
2: you know. That reminds me of uh, something Rami, I forget his last name. Yes. Rami Ismail. Yes. Uh, the famous game designer. He, I was re- watching one of his talks recently and he was saying, you know, if you want to be a good game designer, go out there and just experience everything. Read yes. books, look at yes. comics watch movies and mm-hmm. and that's how you're going to become a good designer right yeah so
0: just absorb everything and read because reading's awesome sorry to, to preach yeah. this one but uh the stuff that just puts out the words and you can invent in your own head i just get you know i'll get a real real kick out of that that's probably right i'll probably read way too much sci-fi <laughs> anyway don't go, don't go wrong i've read the classics too but uh I don't know. <laughs> I've always got two or three books when I go, and one of them, there's always at least one is a sci-fi book. Mm-hmm. So, on to that, you already mentioned someone in an industry, so who do you admire in the industry and why? Hmm. Now, I understand you've been around for a while, so you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you can say a, <laughs> say a company or that sort of thing. I mean, I've had people say, oh, hello, Nintendo. That's good.
2: Okay. Yeah, for me, it's... <laughs> um... It's less individuals. Like when I look at the industry, like I know when I worked at Bioware, there was definitely dev- designers there and, and uh, non-designers that, you know, programmers, artists, sound uh, sound designers and, and the people I knew really well, they really inspired me. Um, uh, as far as the industry, I generally look at companies that inspire me. Like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Blizzard and Bungie. Um, you know, they always make really polished games, really focus on gameplay, uh, just really fun games to get into. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the, the polish that companies put in the, the, um, sort of the, the, uh, the new types of games they can come up with, the creativity of different game companies really inspires me. Yeah. Um, so I'll tend to focus less on, you know, a famous, you know, producer, for example, from some other company. I don't know who they are. You, you never know how much is, you know, their team is you know, can take the credit for, for what they've done. Um, so for me it's really companies. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, same. In my experience, the same as Eric's is that you understand that there's no any one person that you can pin it on that made what you see or made it all possible. It really is always a team effort. Uh, and so, you know, you tend to just when you know that to not put it all on one person. Yeah. Uh, I mean there so... are
0: some soul people out there, you know, polymaths as I call
1: them. He somehow managed to do a lot of the stuff. Yeah, they do a lot of the stuff, but you know, often when you, even though you're doing a lot of the stuff, you end up still relying on other people, and they yes. make very meaningful contributions, right? Yes. And that's why trying to put it all on one person, you know, it's kind of like even even something like Minecraft. Like, yeah, Notch started the game, but he did bring in a team, so he didn't completely make a game that went from nothing to selling his company to Microsoft all alone, right? Yeah. So, you know, there is a team behind that mm. At some point um, So for me, it's, it's definitely companies that You know, Eric mentioned just Polish It's, it's companies that can create really cre- really Interesting experiences Like really good quality levels And that really care about their players um, You know, so their games don't come out All, all you know, with game breaking bugs and, and just, you know, a bad experience That they'll fix later I don't like that kind of model I like, I like the model where, you know, they come out with something That's really good up front And then they take time to make it even better Yes. Yeah.
0: I think it's like
1: for uh, example,
0: oh sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying I, I played Halo 5 recently and it took 3 hours to put a day one patch in. I'm like is this <laughs> is this the future of gaming because is this is this really combat evolved because I'm I
1: I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, that that one's uh you know I I I might agree with, like, from a player perspective, and this is where looking behind the curtain makes sense, but having having worked on uh, titles like that that go through, have, have to go through this kind of first-party certification, um, it's really a problem with the process and, yes. and the platform holders more so than the developers themselves. Yes. Right. Because, like, you know, if you're going to ship games on disc, you need to make sure that you're, you know, a couple months... Like, you're, you have to deliver a final version that can be, you know, written to disc and then shipped around the world a couple months before the game actually hits the street but then during that time you know you've had to fix problems or you've had to add some things and you know by the time you start working through your technical debt at that point you know you've you've got a lot to to patch down on that day one patch whereas these online live games like Steam for example um you know you can just like have the game ready and then just hit your street immediately you, know, yeah. you don't have to worry about delivering a version months ahead of time Steam is so. a magical magical thing it is, and it's, it's really helped us out because you know, right when we released, we actually, you know, were able to patch every week uh, from from day one, and it was very easy to do. So we didn't have to save up months and months of work to put into a, a multi, you know, megabyte patch.
0: Yeah. And okay, cool. Um, this is my next question. My next question, is my favorite question, uh, other than the detailed ones about the game itself, about beyond soul in your case. But it gives me a hint as to what you're working on next. It doesn't. Normally it doesn't, actually. <laughs> but I like to think it does. And also, it's actually a, a show... With the show is a video game podcast, so therefore, by law, I have to ask this question. Uh, what are you playing right now?
2: <laughs> uh, this week... Well, the, it's kind the, of it's, intense the, this, this week, is, isn't it? Uh, is, is Rocket League.
3: <laughs> oh, right. you know, I've
2: been following Rocket League for a while, and you know, reading the reviews, and it lo- always looked interesting to me. Mm. And then I finally started playing it this week, and I'm hooked. I, I just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great example again of uh, a company that put out like a, an inc- incredibly polished experience that is, is super fun. Um, it's quick matches, you know, I, I sit down and I play a match and it's five minutes long and, and I don't want to put it down. I play one more match and one more match. And and then, you know, hours later, I, you know, I don't know where the time went. Um, so that, and then obviously, um, well, Zach and I are huge League of Legends fans. So, and that's a game that never ends. There's always new stuff. They just announced a big patch here. So we were reading the patch notes today. Okay. Uh, yeah, they,
1: they basically just redesigned their whole game. <laughs> yeah, the whole game's really going nice. to be different. This season. <laughs> I, I'm a Dota
0: player. Sorry, sorry, gents. Um, no, oh, okay. I'm oh, that's okay. get angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let you off, Chris. We'll let you off. We'll stay on the show. At this point, we'll go, oh, we're done. Um, no, yeah. uh, I don't know why a friend of mine got hooked onto Dota and went, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play this then. And it's just one of those things, you know. I play a lot of MOBAs, actually, because I'm doing a feature and writing this research piece. There's a lot of them out there. You probably know yeah. that. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah some are really really interesting what they've done and uh, Smite is one we've had on the show uh, and okay. uh, they um, they do away with the shop front you know where you have all your kit and the, yep. you do upgrades it doesn't have really that much of a shop front a bit peculiar because yes. they say it gets in the way and it's yeah. an interesting thing it's like, because you, it kind of breaks the design mould and it's something I'm going to talk to you about beyond soul as well is that the overwhelm, overwhelming the player with information yeah. and MOBAs do that with you know with, with you know is always proud of it like here's all this stuff you need to upgrade and well we have got three seconds to make a decision otherwise you're going to let yeah. your other three teammates down
2: so yeah. come on come yeah and on. we were just talking about that this morning you know reading the, the patch notes for League of Legends one of the problems they're, they're running into is that you know they're having to keep the game fresh and introduce new mechanics all the time new yes. champions new more complexity in the game but It's getting, I think, probably harder. I I was telling Zach, I wouldn't want to be a new player getting into the game right now. You know, I've been playing for two years, but if I got in now, there's just such a breadth of mechanics and champions and, and when you step into a match, you know, if you don't know what your opposing, the opposing champions can do, then that's a huge disadvantage to you. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons the community is so toxic is that you know you, the the barrier the, or the bar for success is extremely high when you you get into the game. Yeah. Uh, just the amount of knowledge you have to have just to play it at like at a decent level is mm. is very high.
0: And it's interesting to have that in environment. To, to is like I said, you know, without new players, the game will die. Yet the the, the culture is toxic to new players. Yeah. And This is like well, you're not helping yourselves and. There's been much, lots of attempts to actually address this problem, especially with um, Riot Games. They've done an extraordinary job of being very, very aggressive with people who are, you know, obnoxious. But yeah. uh, I think it's a... Now I just find I find MOBAs fascinating. Uh, I love the fact that you are not the centre of the universe. The player isn't the centre of the universe. What do you mean? You're just helping the war. You know, you've got to just facilitate these other things that you don't control. What do you mean? Those dudes walking past you? They're the ones winning the battle, not you. So I try to explain this to people, like, you're nuts. Like, seriously, they're the ones winning,
1: not you. Anyway. Yeah, but, you, but you don't feel that way when you play, and that's important. Because <laughs> <I know. laughs> the, player, the player does have to feel empowered, and uh, you know, they have to feel like they're very important to whatever the outcome is.
0: They do, and uh, it's, it's something, again, that, that Beyond Soul does. Actually, yep. not just figuratively, but also literally makes you feel empowered. So. Anything else before we move on to the second half of the show? No. I no? don't think so. Any other games you want to sort of speak about, like on your phone and stuff? It's cool.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've played a. I've been playing a bunch of. Uh, I, I try a lot of the MOBAs on, on mobile, just because there's, there's so many coming out right now. I think everyone's trying to. Trying to be the next, you know, Dota or League of Legends on Have mobile. Have you tried Call of Champions at all? Or... Uh, I think I downloaded that one. I've tried... I've, there's so many, I forgot the names. I tried Vainglory and... Uh, is Call of Champions that simple one where you're pushing a ball? Yes. <laughs> That's yes. the one? Okay. It gets you Yeah, the I've yet to try it. I was reading yeah. and it, apparently it's it's pretty good. It's pretty, you know, different than your, yeah. your typical mobile.
0: It's, it's, it and, has uh, been... Weird trappings of a mobile,
2: but not quite. Mm-hmm. And there's no shop, and you you start at max level. Mm-hmm. Really simplified things. And, and
0: lasts, each match lasts five minutes, and there's only two lanes.
2: Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that attracts me more because you know I've tried a bunch of these, and and every time I'm like, well, why do I want to play this when I can just walk ten feet, sit down on my computer, and, and play the the full version of that? You know, I want I want something that's actually made for uh, for a mobile. platform, so.
3: Okay.
0: Well, that's the first half of the show done with. Let's move on to the second half where we talk about Beyond Song. So, gents, the first question is... We've gone back down now. There is a boss at the end, but it does get more and more complex. The um, first question is actually called the zeroth question, because it's not really a question. Tell us about Beyond Soul. It's your, it's your, it's your turn to pitch.
1: To yeah. yeah. Beyond Soul is a, it's an action strategy game where you build a city, you lead your fleet, and then you destroy your enemies. Um, and so you know, what we're saying by that is we're kind of marrying you know, this, this strategy and, and sort of like real-time, you know, grand strategy game uh, with a very solid sort of like action space, space action core. Um, and we feel like we've done it fairly successfully because it's a, it's a difficult balance to strike because these genres tend not to play nice together. Um, you know, because if you're spending all your time flying your ship around and, and doing that kind of stuff, then how can you possibly be running, you know, an empire?
0: Yes. Um... I think there's a little bit more to to, to draw out from you. So you, you, the player starts out with a single ship. Yep. And they can fly around the universe uh, as they... Well, the universe that's... You predefined, which is awesome, because it says, do you want lots and lots of planets and a massive solar system and loads and loads of other factions? Or you just want two factions and a massive... You can just do what you like. And it's sort of like these little like, slidey scales. So it's basically creating the universe. But you do start off with a single... Well, it's kind of not. A, it's like a half-breed between a battleship and a frigate. It's like it's yeah. around a ship, isn't it?
1: It's a, it's a command cruiser, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a powerful ship, right? Like, you start with... If, if you look at the strength of the ship, you're, you're kind of this heroic ship. You're stronger than any one other ship in the game aside from a dreadnought. But what you'll notice is that, you know, you never fight ships one-on-one.
0: <laughs> no! No, no the, the
1: pirates fly in packs. You know, the other cities, yeah. they have entire fleets, right? So, you know, alone, you can't do much. So you start off, you know, very small. Uh, and then, you know, when you found your city, you start to build up your city. Uh, you start to upgrade your ship, it gets more powerful. You start to hire uh, more ships to join your fleet. And when you start building a fleet, that's when the game gets really interesting because now um, you're kind of playing at the same level as the other city-states that already exist there. Uh, and you can start to really, you know, cooperate with them or compete with them. Uh and, and the building the fleet—that's the big thing. That's the big game changer, right there. Uh, we notice when we watch a lot of YouTube videos and people playing Let's Plays and whatnot of Beyonce. Know, so the first, the first time they play the game, it surprises us how long it takes them to like get a fleet. And yes. it's not usually until some opponent, like city, declares war on them and crushes them that they realize that they need to build a fleet. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, like, Whoops! Yeah. I kind of need an army, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. And it's it's the kind of game where. Um... You know, there, there's pros and cons to this, but basically it's 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 very open. You know, there's many things you can do. You can upgrade your ship, you can hire escorts, you can uh, go do missions, you can spend some money on your, your city. And so because there's such a breadth of activities, new players generally stick to a few their first match before they realize how to... You know, how to maximize their, their growth potential. You know, often in their second game, they'd be like, oh, okay, I actually need to build a lot of mining outposts first and, and get a fleet right away. That way, my, you know, my missions are a lot easier. And so in, in a way, it's, it's like a game of civilization where there's a lot you can do. You can, you can go military, you can go diplomacy, technology. There's a lot of different buildings and wonders you can build. And it's, it's hard your first game to know what is the optimal strategy, right?
0: Yes, and what I found when I started playing it was like, oh, this is kind of, this is a big sandbox like experience. It's not Minecraft, no, it's not that. But it's this, 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 like, here's just all these things you can do, this is all these other um, territories, you, you can go build something, and I just, went, I just went exploring and see what, I basically played with it, with a capital P, to see <laughs> what the mechanics were, because the character, the 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 universe we created, and the and the I had no real investment in it. It was just me messing around to see what the boundaries were and how to play it. And uh I ended up, you know, I built a little a small fleet up and started doing raids against the uh, against the pirates and stuff. And there was lots of I found myself going, oh, that's like the barbarians in Civ, you know, or um because they're 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 neutral, Well, they're not neutral to if you know, they're hostile to you, but they 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 can attack anyone. And even each other, um, but um, you know the other factions—they're they're great. You can dock with them and tr- and trade with them. It's it's really deep and involved stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we what we wanted to do was was create a very like emergent sort of game, uh, and so you know, the way to do that is you build all of these um, you know interesting subsystems that can interact indirectly with each other, and then yeah. the result is some very emergent gameplay that you know mm-hmm. you can't really predict and so you're, you're constantly surprised about you know the outcomes uh, and then the choices that you could make and, and the effects of those choices
0: so just on that it's my first proper question here we go there's a lot to do in Beyond soul. you've established that but how difficult has it been, been not to overwhelm the player with information what design decisions have you made to make sure that doesn't happen
2: yeah that was a definitely a, a big concern especially during developments once the game started to kind of solidify and we had a lot of the core systems and you know we we'd show it to new players and and you know they had a really hard time just learning how to play there's there's you know a lot to learn um and and so we had to well, we thought about it and we we're like, okay, well we need a, a decent, you know, introduction tutorial that teaches you the basic controls and and uh we need you know, to explain all these complicated systems to you. Um so we we have a few systems in the game that do that. We have the tutorial, we have game tips, um am I forgetting anything? <laughs> no, nope, those are the two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's difficult. It's challenging in a game, in a Forex game, right? You know, I've played a lot of Forex games and, you know, recently I was, I was trying out Endless, Endless, uh, Legend and, uh, just, just a ton of information they throw at you at the beginning. And, you know, for example, I didn't know Zach and I had played a multiplayer game and I didn't know your city could expand into additional hexes. <laughs> and after, after two hours, I was like, you know, way behind him, making no money. I couldn't afford anything and i just didn't understand what was happening or what what i was doing wrong and it's just one of those things where in a very complex game inevitably a player is going to miss something and it's yeah. it's it's a it's very challenging to try to teach teach uh you know the player these these mechanics without overwhelming him
0: yeah and i think you've done that because it doesn't it doesn't punish you for doing something dumb too badly it does punish you of course it does otherwise you would just go, it didn't mean no challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah. But there are times when, like, I I deliberately said, I wonder what happens if I just go in there with this one other ship. I wonder if I said, so- oh, I didn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I didn't survive. But I, you know, I got rebuilt after paying 5,000 credits, um, yeah. which I could afford yeah. at the time. Because I could afford it to do that. Let's like, just this is what happens. Oh, that happened.
2: Yeah. Okay. And another mechanic we added, um, which alleviates this, is that, you know, there's sort of an an RPG progression element to your character so when you play a game your your pilot um you know you make money you upgrade your ship and when that when you start a new game you can if you use the same profile you carry forward your your ship all its upgrades and your money so so we kind of built into the game you know you can you can lose you can lose a game you can die but the game keeps going and you learn from that and then the next game you can do better and often, like, we're, we're reading on our forums all the time, new players are like, well, you know, I, I don't know how to do this, or I, I lost my first game, what do I do? And people often reply on the forum saying, well, don't worry about it, you know, just just experience the game, play, uh, or experiment with the game and just play it, and then, you know, you'll lose your first game, but after that you carry your progress forward into your next game.
0: Yes, and I just love that. It's just like, it is a game, it's okay, it's a game. I was, I was having a conversation about this. Um, there's a relation. Uh, there's a game called... Uh, this is related. Because I find when I'm playing Beyond Soul... I play a lot of board games as well. Because I remember a really, really good board game group over in London. Um, we They hold events every day of the week. So if I want to play board games, I can just go and play board games. Um, but um, the thing is, there's a game called Evolution. Which lasts about an hour, maybe less. And uh, that game is very much similar in that very elegantly and tightly built and well put together but also it, it allows you to experiment and just go well let's see what happens so if I do that let's see if I change this animal into a big long neck thing and it eats grubs <laughs> and stuff and you're like okay well that didn't work and I came third but out of four people but hey I had fun and that's and it, it, you know repeated play repeated play of these games and that's what I'm finding with Beyond Soul repeatedly playing it over and over to, 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 to explore and see other ways because you know new game plus this game reeks of it it doesn't stop uh so well yeah. done with that it's not again it's
1: not but i can't help but praise you on this it's so much fun to play um yeah there's there's also some subtler decisions that we made uh in the design that yeah. also help with that kind of accessibility um by creating a little bit of forgiveness right so yes. you'll notice that if you go to war with an ai um there's a war score and if you get beaten and he reaches a hundred, you know, he'll offer you peace or like in fact he'll almost force you to go to peace if you say no it'll be bad. So basically in a war, there's sort of like a limit as to how much you can lose. Yeah. And that limit is never to the point where it's it's like about thirty percent of your stuff. So it's never really to the point where you're gonna be completely crippled because you lost a war. Unlike Unlike most strategy games like a like a Civ or something, if you lose a war in Civ, like you are probably dead. Yeah. You're probably out of the game. Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah. So we have yeah. a lot of forgiveness in that area. And same thing with like death. Like so if your if your ship blows up, right? You pay a repair cost and you respawn in your city, but like it's not like you know, it's not the end of the game. You don't have to buy the whole ship and all the upgrades all over again. No. It's great. So we it's kind it's of cold. create this yeah, so we create this environment where it's like it's safe to experiment and it's safe to lose, right? Um, and it sets you back but you're not out of the game. No.
0: I also like the fact that... Well, I'm going to come on to the next point now, the next question, because I want to talk about the combat. Because it feels... I mean, this is the understanding. It's, it's a two-dimensional plane, let's be clear. That makes perfect sense, because it is in space, great. However, to do it in full 3D would be disorientating. Um, so you've done this sort of 2D plane-ish... Although when you dock, it does drop into the docking bay and stuff. That's awesome. Reminds me a lot mm-hmm. of where I used to play Homeworld. Yes, Homeworld does allow you to go up and down in different planes, but what's the point? <laughs> yeah, you actually didn't need to. You <laughs> Didn't need to. Allowed you to, but it didn't need to, unless there's an mm-hmm. no obstacle in the way. Um, but I just want to talk about the combat, and the, it feels like it feels like sail ships, old sail ships from the eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, and they like they have like broadsides. I know they don't, but it feels like that. Was that was that always intended to be that way? I just want to ask you about the, the combat. Yeah, well,
2: the combat was something we. It was the first thing we got in, and for the combat, we had a pretty good idea going in exactly what we wanted. Um, a lot of it, I don't know if you've noticed, you're a mobile player, but a lot of it is based on kind of MOBA style. So your your abilities are on Q W E R. You right click to to move, um, <clears throat> and you know we. Like we said earlier, we're big fans of of mobas, so we thought, why not do the combat like a moba? Um, you know, I, I know for myself, I'm not a huge fan of cockpit simulators, like space games, like you know, Elite, for example. Um, I I don't like I'm just me personally. I don't like the dog fighting space games very much. I like the the more strategic. Pull the camera out. Show me everything that's going on. Let me use cool abilities you know tactically and and think about the strategy of a battle, right, and so that was always our intention is to to do that kind of design, and also i think it it fits in more with the the four x you know strategy uh empire building you don't have to you know change the camera angle wildly, you're not in your ship you're you're always seeing the battlefield from above, um, so that was kind of the design there,
0: okay, yeah, it just really feels very. Almost sedate until you're actually in the middle of it when things get kind of hairy, especially when
2: you're flying missiles
0: and stuff, but it just yeah. felt like there were two ships sort of trying to broadside each other it's cool,
2: yeah, and we always knew we wanted to have big space battles and you, we wanted to, you to have a big fleet and that's that's very challenging if the if the camera's really far down or if it's in the cockpit, you know you need to be able to see what's going on in the battlefield, see how your fleet's doing. You know, is half my fleet dead? Do I need to move to this position, this area of the battle, to support my, you know, my dreadnought? So uh, yeah, where's the
1: enemy dreadnought? Because you don't want to be flying right next to that thing. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that uh, happen.
0: I've been managed to survive that because my later games, I, I'm very cautious, but not too cautious to the point of uh, getting nowhere. Do you know that balance where you're turtling up,
1: but not to the point where you're not. Yeah, still it's trying? like you, you have a sense of like. Positioning in the battle, you know where not to fly. <laughs> yes,
0: the best, yeah. the best combat people know when to leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah.
1: no one, no one to retreat.
0: My next question then, is: is really a, I want to focus a little bit on the forex element. So, there's an added layer of, of complexity with respect to city building, which did take this by surprise. Like, what's that doing here? I'm I'm expecting. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but all I saw a space game, 2D plane oh, and you have this single ship, oh, okay, is it like Iridium or something? And then, um, but the the player controls a fleet of ships, a single fleet, uh, rather than many fleets, right? Um, How difficult has it been not to delve into more, how can I put it, remote experience versus a direct control? What I'm trying to say is, for games like Master of Orion, one of my favourites, for example, that had you controlling loads of fleets all over the system, universe um, What? What? Is there at one point you went no we don't want to go down that route
1: yeah I think uh, I think we decided that um, fairly early when we when we uh, well at one point the game was going to be like a space buccaneer okay. more like escape velocity and, and elite dangerous net but then you know we just saw what the market was was going in that direction and, and there's already a lot of games like that like Star Citizen is yes. going to come out uh, you know elite dangerous was going to come out hasn't come out yet and we just said, you know, there's no way we can compete there, so we had to change, uh, change tactics. So that's when we decided to go strategy, yeah, and uh, an action strategy. And at that moment, that also kind of like forced our hand to to kind of t- adopt a, a sort of guiding principle that whatever we do from a strategy perspective, it has to work where you don't need to put your hands on it too directly, and it needs to be it needs to be very like passive, like something that, you know, it doesn't require you to to walk away from your ship to go do. So you have to be able to to be in your ship, leading from the front, and still have all the the strategy aspects of the game, uh, and have it feel good. And so, you know, that's where it comes down to a single fleet, because if you had multiple fleets, we we had this conversation, we're trying to to figure out could we do multiple fleets, and we realized that the only way to do that is they're all AI-controlled, because we wouldn't want you to have to manually open up the map instead of flying around in your ship doing combat and then give orders to all these fleets, and then close a map and somehow do a battle. Like, that would just be too much micromanagement at a macro scale. Um, and so we kind of just decided that uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't take that risk, and we just kind of focused the game on, there's your one fleet that you lead, and that's the big fleet, right? Yeah. And then thought, all the cities uh, do the same thing.
2: We also thought, like, you know, we we, we often call this just an action strategy game, and, and we think that's pretty original, blending, you know, the action game of you piloting your own, you know, heavy cruiser with the strategy elements and as soon as you say you're going to be controlling like manually controlling many fleets or many ships, like that just fights the action combat. Like how can you be piloting a ship while manually controlling dozens of other ships, right? It just doesn't work and and we really value that that visceral action space combat feel where you're piloting a ship so, you know, Right away, we we knew we couldn't we couldn't do the Masters of Orion route or Sins of a Solar Empire where you're you're controlling every ship. And we just decided to, as a philosophy, say, you know, everything has to feel good. Action, you know, when when you're doing it, and we reward you for doing it yourself as as your lone ship. Um, and then we marry that with the uh, the grand strategy elements.
0: Thank you. That's that's exactly where I thought you were going to go with that. I just wanted to draw that out of you because. It's important to know. People need to know this about this aspect of this game. It is not another 4X. Far from it. It's way more that. It's it's just It's got too many other elements to it. And it's much more of a personal thing. In the fact, you do have a vested interest in that you are controlling a single ship with yeah. allies alongside you. Because you're going to need them, trust us. Um, it's a bit like our type in that regard.
2: Yeah, and we thought it was pretty original. Like, I think there was only one other example of a game like that which was a war uh what was it called mountain blade right uh, yeah. i had never i had never played it i played it eventually during development cuz Zach kept telling me to <laughs> cuz he kept saying we're like we're like mountain blade and in that game like you, you look at it it doesn't look like it's a strategy no. game no, it it's it's an action game you're you're a character and you fight you're on horseback but there's a big strategy layer to it yeah. um and so there there wasn't, you know, there was just that one example, really, of a blend of an action and a strategy game put together. So we thought that, you know, that would be a good area for us to to explore.
0: So my last question, I know, sad. All good things have to come to an end. <laughs> but uh, I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, the last question I've got is this. Beyond Soul demands a pace, a certain pace. I've written here slow, but it depends on what you're doing. But... It certainly demands a certain pace of growth prior to the player intending to engage in combat with others. What aspects of sensory feedback to the player have you installed into the game that communicates this? What do you think you've done to make sure that... I know you want to go out there and blow everything up, but honestly, you need to build
1: yourself up before you do that. What have you done, do you believe, to actually communicate that? Well, um... One of my favorites, which is a very controversial one, um, and, I, and I push for this system, so if anyone's listening and they hate it, um, I'm sorry, that's me. It's the rivalry. It's the rivalry system. Right. So, you know, what happens is that somebody close to you, and that's kind of within a certain size of you, like a certain size threshold, but they tend to be slightly larger than you, will declare you their rival. Right. And that's a huge reputation penalty. I, I don't know if you've encountered that. Yes. Um. So it's like minus seventy five, and at minus seventy five, it's it's almost impossible to avoid your rival declaring war on you. Yes. But the thing is, the AI only declare war on you if they're stronger than you militarily by a certain threshold, right? right. So if you actually are stronger than them, they won't declare war on you. So, what the the intent behind the rivalry system was was to give you, an like a neighboring uh, opponent, who's going to force you to. Respect the fact that you have to build a military. <laughs> so, so basically, so that you don't try to play the whole game with just your ship, and then all of a sudden you get you get into some kind of conflict and you just get eviscerated yes. by, let's say, a, a bigger guy. So it's a way for a guy who is someone who actually is a match for you to teach you to to defend yourself.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah, and on top of that, we added, um, you know, there's there's a a few little things we did to kind of teach you about the pacing. Um, so we have little indicators that tell you when, <clears throat> when your neighbors have reached certain thresholds, like when they've upgraded their command center, which is sort of like when you've, you've gone up at an age of technology and civilization, it's, it's a big event you've had to save up and that, that makes you quite a bit more powerful. So we, we tell the player when your neighbors go up these, you know, these levels. In addition, we, you know, when we added victory conditions uh, near the end of development, we added more indicators to tell you, okay, your your neighbor is almost, you know, he's 65% of the way to a military victory. Maybe you should, you know, do something about that. <laughs> yeah. So it's little reminders um, that teach you kind of how to play the game and, and how you're doing so you can compare yourself to your neighbors. Yeah, there's also
1: the, uh, if you look at the map. Right? You see there's a number under every city, and that's yes. essentially your population count. So yes. every time you look at the map, you've got a very easy, intuitive way to know how is everybody doing relatively in size. Um, and then if you mouse over, you can see the strength of everybody's fleet. So you have an idea of how, how developed somebody is uh, like from their city size, and then you can, you can very quickly, very easily understand just how strong they are militarily, and you can easily compare yourself uh, to every other you know, player on the board. Um, and kind of understand if you're keeping pace, if you're outpacing them, or if you're falling behind.
0: That's yeah. That's I, I suspected that's why that was there. But I thought, no, come on, that's a bit really. Is that what you're? Cho- oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. I'll go out there then. Fine.
2: Yeah. We kind of <laughs> took the philosophy of give the player the information, you know. Yeah. in a lot of strategy games, you don't know how strong your neighbors are. You you don't know. Exactly how they're doing and, and it, it adds an element of skill to the game where, you know, that information is out there, but you have to be, you know, good enough and experienced enough in the game to, to, to go look at it and to, to make judgment calls off of it. Like, okay, my, my neighbor here, he has a really weak fleet. I can just see that on the map and I'm going to use that, you know. So yeah. we give you more information than a lot of other strategy games give you, but we think that adds to the, you know, the amount of strategy you can employ, um, it, it gives you more options. You know, you can make smart, uh, strategic decisions if you have that information.
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like knowing what your relationship standing is, like the number itself, you know, with every city. Um, cause, uh, you know, I, I play a lot of strategy games so you know Civ 5 I don't know I should check my Steam account here but I think <laughs> I've got over 1500 hours of Civ 5 Oh, good heavens! and uh, despite my 15 hours of Civ 5 I still don't really know how the AI feels about me you know like oh, no. I know that you know he'll say he's guarded or he's hostile but I don't really understand um how he transitions to those different states and I don't really understand how my actions are doing that so with Beyond Soul instead we show you the numbers. so um when you have border tension with someone, so you have a certain amount of tiles that are, you know, your, your territory is touching their territory, you can actually count, you know, how much border tension you have and why. Like it's, it's right there. It's telling you what, what the cause is. Um, you know, if you, if you actually refuse to uh, help your ally in a war, like if he calls you into, into a war, you say no, he breaks his alliance with you, and then you see this big like negative penalty for disarming an alliance. So, so you know exactly the, the effect that your, your actions have had. And it allows you to make better decisions in the future.
2: Yeah, and a lot of our systems are inspired from another. Uh, we haven't mentioned it, but Crusader Kings two and Europa Universalis two are favorites. I mean, in those games, that's that's an example where you, they do give you that information. You you know how big your you know every other nation's army is. You know your reputation. You see the breakdown of why they why they like you, why they dislike you, and we just found that leads to uh, just more strategic depth rather than less. It's funny that. You know, giving you more information would actually increase the amount of, you know, skill potential in the game and the amount of strategy, but it, funny enough, it does.
1: Mm. Yeah. And we balance that by, we don't tell you what all of the things that can come about that decision are, we we'll at least show you enough to, to, so that you can make a, a sound decision and then you can learn from whatever the outcome is. Right.
0: Yes. It, like I said, it is the, it adds to the emergent gameplay which you were, Going for anyway, and the fact that you've now got interactions and reactions to what you're doing, and also unprovoked actions as well, which I actually find a little bit more interesting. Like, what's your problem with me? I don't know <laughs> you're, you're there. How about that? <laughs> no, you're just there. And uh, I do find it when I have a rivalry with a, but they're not quite as powerful enough to go after me. I find it. I describe it as a begrudging respect. For my existence, I'd <laughs> yeah, rather yeah. I didn't. Um, so, anyway, it's been fantastic. The uh, it's beyond soul. It's out on Steam, isn't it? And uh, it's it is Windows PC, Mac, and Linux. I can't remember. No, nope, uh,
1: Windows uh, PC. Windows PC. O- only PC. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, fair enough. Uh, any plans for others? Or probably I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> we,
1: we've not really received. You know, we've received one or two. You know people specifically you know, requesting it but uh which isn't really enough to you know justify the cost of uh porting
2: uh, uh, yeah it's a cost it's a question of cost really and um you know those markets are traditionally a lot smaller so i mean we can't say we can't say we'll never do it but
0: no. as it's interesting i just got a steam link box from steam it's quite nice and i've got a controller as well have you tried playing uh Beyond Soul with the controller
2: yet? We have not. <laughs> you have to oh, no, that you. is. <laughs> I will.
0: I get... if, if that's all right about you. I'll, I'll email you back and
2: see how I get yeah. Oh, with the Steam controller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd wonder. I haven't tried... Uh, I tried one of the earlier models and uh, I think it needed some work. I, I haven't <laughs> tried you know, the final the final version. Well, so. when
0: it came out, I installed it and they said, oh, the firmware needs an update on the controller. I like, Really?
1: Oh, okay. It
2: might work. I've seen uh, I read an article about someone playing Civilization Five on a controller and they said it was pretty good. So
1: Yeah, but it's also turn based, right? You yeah. could get away with a lot there. A
2: real time game might be more challenging.
0: Yeah, I'm just worried about the I haven't tried it yet, forgive me, but uh I am very much a and keyboard man when it comes to lots of stuff, but I do mm-hmm. I have a PC con- controller plugged into my PC right now. Uh and, uh no no shame. Um but uh it's um it's it's an interesting device, I've got to say. It feels a bit tough. Mm-hmm. But uh, the whole idea of using your right thumb as a mouse controller is a bit... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, well, thanks both of you for coming on the show. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I wish you the very best in your future endeavours. More than welcome to come back to talk about whatever else
1: you're going to be working on in the future sometime, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, we'll keep that in mind, and uh, when we're when we're ready to talk about the next project here, that we're I mean, we're, we're in the uh, early sort of design and and ideation phase. Oh, that's uh, a nice phase to be in because then you go. I know. <laughs>
0: Why don't we put a frog in it? No,
3: because
0: yeah. anything's
1: yeah. possible in this phase. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sky's the limit.
0: <laughs> yeah. What about a hat? What about? A... <laughs> oh, sorry, I just love that conversation. Like, what are you talking about? Like, come on. <laughs> what about my dog? What about him? No, not the dog. Not the dog again. Good. <sighs> and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer who listened to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong
3: Bye!